Hey everyone, welcome back to But Why the Podcast, and today we have a special episode with Alvaro Rodriguez, the co-creator and executive producer on Ses Manos, the new Netflix mex anime, uh, coming out later this week on October 3rd. So give it a listen and let us know what you think. Project. What inspired Ses Manos? Well, I, you know, I uh, the project really is born with Brad Graber, the other co-creator of the project with me, and he is the uh, CEO of Powerhouse Animation, um, Powerhouse Studios that also does Castlevania for Netflix, and just announced the uh, Masters of the Universe Kevin Smith reboot uh, animated series for Netflix. And Brad had had the concept of Seis Manos a few years ago, I guess, and um, and it was it was more it was more conceptual and not really a story yet, not really fleshed out. It was it was kind of an idea, and um, and this is probably about three four years ago now, um, maybe even a little bit longer than that. Carl Feel, who's a musician and composer. Um, that actually is, did the music for Seis Manos. Uh, Carl had done some work with with Brad, and uh, I had worked with Carl on From Dust Till Dawn, the TV series. And Carl connected Brad and I, and um, you know said there was there was a concept for Seis Manos, but there wasn't really a story. I came on with Brad and started to kind of talk about you know what this thing could be and the kinds of things that interested me and the kinds of things that interested him. And then I, I came on board. I wrote, uh, you know, we wrote together kind of a, a, a bigger story uh, document for what the show was. And then I wrote a pilot and we kind of shopped it around and pitched it around to different places. And, um, and we either got usually one of two reactions, one which was, wow, this is amazing. We love this. Can we do this for very little money? Or, uh, you know, we don't know what this is. If this were comedy more, then we would we might find a place for it. But, you know, we, we really don't know what this is. It's not really anime. And, and uh, you know, we just don't know what, what to do with this. And so we kind of, you know, kind, kind of uh, lay fallow for a while and just wasn't, wasn't going anywhere for a little while. And then we kind of came back to it, um, and um, uh, my co-writer on the project, Daniel Dominguez, came on board and started to kind of try to inject some new life into the project. And uh, then together we met with Viz Media in twenty, let's see, twenty seventeen, and uh, they came on board as kind of 
producers on the project, a studio on the project. And then together we went to Netflix and it was a very kind of quick yes from Netflix. And, uh, you know, I think it's really keep in keeping with this new kind of global marketplace of, of, you know, uh, telling stories that are specific and because they're specific, they end up having a more universal quality. Um, and more and more people get interested in them because they feel like there's an authenticity there. Um, that might be a longer answer than what you wanted. No, I, I love that answer. I mean, honestly, for me, um, it, it's kind of something I've been thinking about since I saw the, you know, the announcement photos for Ses Manos because I was like, how did this get greenlit? How long has this been going at it? Because, like, for me, like, I'm, I am a so like, I, I, I proudly identify as a weeb. I love animation. I love anime, and yeah. a lot of the times, Latinos and I mean, I'm Mexican American myself. Like, we're, we're kind of left out from that space a lot, outside yeah. of like the amazing Spanish dubs of like Dragon Ball Z and stuff like that right. that a lot of people grew right. up with. Yeah. Um, so for me, like, I, I really appreciate that long answer because it's something that I've been thinking about. Like, I, I've always, I, I have wondered how hard it, how long the road was for you guys to get here. It was, um, it was definitely a long road, but there was, you know, almost from the beginning of that process of when Brad and I got together and started to build out the concept into a world, into, into a storyline, into characters, you know, um, I kind of hit on the idea that, well, this is a Mexican anime. You know, yeah. uh, and um, or at least a Tex Mexican anime or Texican <laughs> or something. You know, um, this, this definitely is Latino forward, um, and that was always sort of the DNA of the thing that we we were thinking about all the influences of things that we that we both responded to, mm-hmm. and and really liked from everything from you know sort of the '70s vibe of of Grindhouse and black exploitation cinema to, you know, even the movies of Robert Rodriguez like Desperado and, and things like that to to anime, to everything from, you know, Dragon Ball Z to Naruto to Akira to, you know, all of these different things. <laughs> Cowboy Bebop, in which all of these things could, could be, um, could, could work together. And that's really, you know, what the, what was Seismanos and what Seismanos kind of started as and I think what it's become and one of the things that uh that really got me interested um I mean beyond I mean I was interested from from the get-go just from from the premise but looking at right. that strong influence of black exploitation, and then also like exploitation mm-hmm. happens in, in Mexican cinema like uh, a different time period yep. but it you know it, it's there and I was wondering because um, I know of your work on the Francesco Don TV show which I uh, mm. I binged while with while I had the flu with the fever which was both the best <laughs> and weirdest thing yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's still one of my favorite shows um, but uh, I, I was wondering like when you're crafting the story and like hearkening back to a period of cinema that you know some people don't necessarily I mean there are a lot of genre fans who love it. Um, like I'm covering uh, yeah. Fantastic Fest currently, and there are a lot of us who love it, but some people don't necessarily look at it in a very um, kind of like meaty light, right? Like a lot of people kind of see it as a throwaway versus something with actual content. Um, how did you go about kind of 
dealing with that 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 air around the genre of you know kind of like of exploitation films. It's the same stuff you know uh, Robert Rodriguez has dealt with you know as he's made Grindhouse right. and Grindhouse films and stuff. Yeah, to me, you know, to me, uh, I'm there. Sure, there's a lot of exploitation films, whether they're exploitation, black exploitation, you know, kung fu movies that are just not not very good. <laughs> but there's a lot of stuff that is really great, and I think what often happens in those situations where the, you find something that's really great is that they present an opportunity for the creators, the writers, the directors, the stars, and everything to be smugglers in some way. Mm-hmm. There's more. To it's than what you what it appears to be on the surface, um, and uh, so movies like Truck Turner or Bone uh, with the Offit Koto or you know um, uh, Shaft and and then you know even Machete to a certain degree you know with Machete you know which I co-wrote with Robert was also to me a big opportunity for like using that the craziness of that kind of storytelling to, to do other things with it. And so in telling that the sort of the black exploitation angle of say Smanos deals a lot with the character of, uh, of Wallace Brister, who's a American DEA agent sent south of the border on, you know, a probably a, a, a useless mission, but with, with his storyline, we get to see a little bit about how he feels, uh, how he felt when he was came back from Vietnam, and, and how he was treated um, by you know people and back in the states. And now that he's in Mexico, how his role has sort of changed, and how it will continue to change over the course of the story. And you know, so there's there's a certain exploitation angle in the fact that you know it's an african-american character with a gun who's you know going to be kind of a badass on both sides of the border kind of thing but at the same time it's telling a little bit of a deeper story about identity about um about racism about um you know uh uh class and 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 where this guy fits into the into this uh, you know, where he sees himself as as being both an instrument and a pawn at the same time, or has seen himself as an instrument and a pawn at the same time. And um, yeah. so, you know, it's, it's like to me, it's like that's that's uh, that's part of the the fun of doing something like say Smanos that that draws from all these different influences that you can you can get away with a lot more stuff. So hopefully there's something more than meets the eye in what we're in the stories that we're telling and in the in the juxtaposition of kung fu with black exploitation with Mexican mysticism and you know um, and uh, all of the, all of that stuff. And when it comes to um, one, I'm, one, I'm, I just want to say I'm really excited to kind of hear you talk about um, Brister's involvement and stuff, mainly because I was like, oh, he's like one of the, you know, one of the only like non-Mexican characters. Like, why did they include him? And so hearing you kind of like break that down and explain it, it definitely right. kind of has me ready and, and, and excited to see how he kind of undertakes this. Um and then uh, I, I tell me a little yeah. bit, Matt. Uh, tell me a little bit more about like some of the other characters, like Jesus and, and Isabel, and uh, sure. you know, some of the other characters you have in the series. 
So, you know, the other thing I think that the, the Seismanos allows us to do is to explore themes of like family and themes of, of belonging uh, or not belonging. And, you know, in this story, uh, the three major characters the, that make up the Seismanos, the six hands of the story, are Isabella, Jesus, and a character called Silencio. And they are all, uh, they, they have become a sort of family under the fatherhood, I guess, of, uh, of an old Chinese uh, teacher named Chu, who is a Chinese exile and has been hiding out in Mexico for many, many years. And after their parents were killed by the drug cartels or, or drug violence in, in Mexico in the 1970s, he raises them from the time that they're children to the time of our story and teaches them different forms of Kung Fu. Um, and so, you know, Isabella is very much the sort of moral center of the, of this surrogate family or this makeshift family. Um, she's very much the one who is trying to weigh questions of, you know, justice versus revenge, you know, of, of sort of following the rules and doing the right thing. Jesus is much more this, the, the feeling member of the family. Um, he's, uh, he's, he, he's very, can be very emotional at times. And, but he's also kind of the heart and soul of, of the family. And then Silencio, um, is, um, is really like the the silent one who is having trouble ex because of his sort of condition that that keeps him silent you know dealing with the most um frustration at not being able to really express how he feels about certain things and that just makes everything more elevated more amplified from his anger to his passion you know so these three characters um are kind of thrown into a situation where they um, they will cross paths with with Agent Brister and with Officer Garcia, who is a, a female cop in in the town that they live in, and uh, and you know how these these two sort of storylines collide going forward is, is you know kind of the bulk of the show. I, I just keep getting more excited, like, the more you talk, um, <laughs> in all honesty. Um, I mean, the thing about it, I, I hope that it works, you know? Yeah. That, that's the thing about this whole process. Um, you know, the stories that we told, we weren't, we weren't trying to... We weren't trying to fit any particular mold or trying to appeal to a particular demographic or anything really like that. It really became more of the kinds of things that excited us, the kinds of things that interested us. And the story that just, just seemed to like want to come out of this, out of this experiment. And I think that one of the things that's so great about it is when you get to work with incredible artists who bring the whole thing to life Carl with the music is in it's it's the the level of professionalism and just um, uh, just the the heights that that he is you know he strives for and I think he he even surpasses with the music 
and the attention to detail and all of these things is just like wow you know it's going to be it's i think it's a visual and and sonic just kind of uh um, really great experience. So if the story is anywhere near as good as the visuals and uh, you know the music and all of that, I think we'll be okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just watching that uh, the new trailer that just dropped, I was yeah. I was blown away. Yeah, um, which is when I reached out to you. Honestly, at the moment I saw it, it was like, oh gosh, I need to reach out to Alvaro. Like this, this is this looks better than anything I could have imagined. Um, wow. And, Thank you. Very yeah, it, it, seriously, like I've, it it hits all those spots for me because uh, I'm a, kind of. It's really weird. Like a lot of the a lot of the things that Sesmanos is like one, I am Mexican. Two, I love anime. Three, I love kung fu movies. Four, I love exploitation cinema. <laughs> like it it hits all those right notes. And hearing you kind of like talk about the story and the characters and the thought process that has gone into it. It has me really excited, I'm, and I'm sure that it's going to have our listeners excited as well. Um, yeah. And well, you have to let me know what you think after it comes out and oh, see if it lived up to its expectations. I will for sure. The moment, it, honestly, the moment the poster came out, I was like, I told my writers, I was like, I'm reviewing this. Y'all can write anything else you want, but I will be reviewing this the day it comes out. <laughs> this is mine. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um. Really it's been excited. Right. no you know we're we're excited too you know this is the first animated project that i've been involved with um and it feels like such it was it's been such a great experience working with viz and netflix and powerhouse and just you know it's such a collaborative effort um you know there's a part of it that always feels like you know the transformation from words on a page to the final product mm -hmm. and you know, but there's something about this in particular, this project where it just feels, you know, I'm just, I'm very, very excited to see, you know, how people respond to it and, uh, you know, what, um, what, what, what the reaction is. Um, you know, it's something we've, we've lived with for a long time. We, we wrote the first season, um, last year from january to july did all our voice recording and then you know spent a year or more more than a year in animation um between you know the animators in in austin texas at powerhouse and the animators at the studio in korea and the back and forth of all of that and then this year we've you know from january to july again we wrote a second season and we're you know we're waiting to see if we'll get the green light to start production um so hopefully yeah. The numbers will be good enough to do that, um, but you know it's such a, it's such a long process from start to to finish and to actually getting out there um, that it's you know uh, I'm just it's it's been a long time of, of of just like wanting to see what the response will be and and I hope that it's positive but I feel very proud of what what uh, what we've done what the animators have done. And uh, and everybody that's contributed to this project, or, you know, from the the voice cast has been amazing. Uh, there, there's I I can't imagine the show voiced by anybody else, and and it is it's a it's you know vast majority uh, you know Latinx voices. Um, Mike Holter uh, is is uh, is Agent Brister, and uh, Roger Craig Smith is uh, his boss. 
and uh, the DEA, Larry, uh, who you'll meet on the show. But I think the vast majority of everybody else is Latinx, it's Latina, Latino. Angelica uh, Valle, Aislinn yeah. um, Derbez, Johnny Cruz, uh, Vic Chow also, um, you know, not Latino, uh, but every, you know, the bulk of everybody else. And so uh, it's a definitely a largely, a, a, you know, people of color, minorities that are the voices of the show and, and the characters of the show. Um, so it's, it's really interesting to see how that will, you know, how that will play with with uh, with the Latino audience and you know with with just the general audience and uh, kind of like having you like you know hearing you talk about like animation and then just how long this process is what yeah. are um, I guess some of the hurdles or differences that you've seen kind of transitioning into working in animation from live action um, that you you know may not have expected or uh, you know, uh, or excited by? Uh, um, you know, I don't know. I think the biggest thing is, is just the difference between, you know, working on a TV series or working on a film, you know, that there's so much that is spending time with the actors and over the course of the shooting of the show for many episodes, or even in the short time of making a, of actually shooting a film, you can see how the actor grows into a part or, or, you know, finds new things about their character. When you're doing voice records for an animated series, it's all kind of run together very quickly. You don't have a ton of time um, to do that. And so, over that you might have an actor for an afternoon or a couple of days or something like that as at the most as they're going through the lines of the script and they're not usually acting with another voice actor um, they're all being recorded individually mm-hmm. and so that's just it's just like almost a really different kind of process and you you see through that you know the miracle of you know our sound editors our dialogue editors and people that are putting you know putting these all these voices together in continuity. Um, we did have Iceland Derbez and Johnny Cruz who play Isabella and Jesus. They recorded together, which was great because they're, you know, like I said, sort of brother and sister on the show. <laughs> and they, so having their interplay of actually being in the booth together in the sound room together, uh, audio booth recording was terrific. Uh, cause you got certain things that you didn't necessarily get if they were, recorded separately on different days or whatever. Um, so that's, you know, that's one element that that's kind of interesting to see, uh, an experience that's different from the feature. And, uh, but you know, just like the other kinds of projects, um, there's just, there's so much work that goes into it. Uh, you know, it's sort of behind the scenes. Um, you know, it's not set design anymore. It's now, you know, background artists and people who are, you know, designing all of the items that you'll see from guns to animals to, you know, all, all those kinds of things and creating the whole look and tone of the show. Um, you know, so it's, uh, similar, but different. And, you know, it's, it's always a, a eye opening and learning process, I think, but, um, it's been fantastic. And like I said, I, I if there were a way to keep doing 
shows like this and working with people um, like uh, Biz and Netflix and Powerhouse, especially, um, you know, our director Willis and, um, you know, Dan Dominguez, my co-writer on the project and Brad and, and Adam Conero and all the other artists there. It's like, that would be amazing because it's, it's such a, it's such a great group of people and that you really, you really see the dedication of everybody and you want to just be involved in that in any way you can. Um, and in kind of listening to you talk too, like I'm trying to think of the last times that I've kind of seen anything like Sismanos or even Cannon Busters like out there. And, and truth mm-hmm. is, I haven't. Um, do yeah. you think that it's something that is indicative to Netflix as a platform that kind of facilitates the storytelling? Absolutely. I mean, I think you know Netflix. We we did a. I was on the Netflix animation anime panel at uh, Comic Con in San Diego a month or two ago and um with LaShawn from Canon Busters and and other um other creators of other animated series and you know Netflix is very much pushing this idea of global stories you know in anime global stories in in this adult animated space and um and yeah I think it's like this it's a new frontier it's a new the new possibilities of all of all of this stuff that that um you know, anime is such a global phenomenon to begin with, and that the idea that you could make it even more accessible to different, you know, different people from different parts of the world because you're telling stories that that really, um, you know, would have other resonance with them beside the fact that it's you know it's anime or it, it follows certain tropes and other things. So yeah, it's I think it's super exciting, and you know it, it's um, it seems like a great apart from the creative side, which is obviously the thing that I'm interested in as a as a creator as a writer. But it just seems like great business sense that you would you would take chances on stuff like this because that audience is out there, the audience is hungry, the audience wants to wants to um, you know see more and experience more and 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 uh, and that's one of the great things about what Netflix has done. I think uh, not just in anime, but just as a as a as a medium, as a platform, as a distribution um, hub that allows the world to come into your home, into your laptop, into your phone, or whatever. You can watch a show like Casa de las Flores on on Netflix, or you can watch you know an Israeli show. You can watch. A, a French show, a, a British show, an American show, a, you know, a Japanese anime, um, and it's all in one place. And, mm-hmm. and uh, have that sort of menu to choose from. So hopefully, this gives a little bit of you know spice to the menu. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, I mean, uh, the last question I have really is. Uh, you know, are you a fan of anime yourself? And uh, have you pulled, uh, you know, what 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 kinds of anime did you look to for inspiration, or just overall, what's your favorite? Well, I'm 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 a very old person. I'm 48. My experience with anime really began when I was in college, I would say, mm-hmm. and in the late 80s, early 90s, in the long ago, and. When you had movies like Akira and Vampire Hunter D and Robot Carnival and certain things that just like they they played at the art house theater at 
you know, at the University of Texas, the Dolby Theater. And so that was like my first exposure to these things. I remember going to comic book stores around the same time and you, you find like videotapes of anime that, you know, maybe were subtitled, but they were like, it was so hard to get access to some of these things back then. But, um, but there was beginning, I think, of this like broader outreach of people, you know, stuff that was playing in the theater, like, like Akira. I, I, I know I saw Akira in that theater three times. And it was something that was uh, like, first of all, the, the visuals were amazing to look at. And just like the idea that, that this was all, you know, pretty much hand hand animated stuff was just like mind blowing. And then the story was so interesting and so great and had so much depth to it. And, and it was like, wow, is this, these are the possibilities with all of this stuff. Um, and then after that, I have to say that like anime was not something that I really kind of, uh, kept up with in any major way. I mean, there were certain things that I watched, but a lot of the time, my attentions were elsewhere. And so in the process of working on Seismanos from the beginning all the way through, you know, um, I was really digging in and exploring more kinds of things from Cowboy Bebop to um, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, uh, you know, um, things like that, different kinds of things that, even Dragon Ball Z to a a degree, that, um, that would just, like, give me more insight into like the tone the rhythms of certain things the ways that that visuals complemented the stories and stuff like that so i've you know i've kind of gotten more into newer things um because of say it's manos um you know like i just was watching in the last little while i binge watched the the promised neverland mm-hmm. series because that's another thing it's like not really the same at all as Seismanos, but incredible storytelling, incredible visuals, and just, uh, you know, a level of artistry, both in, you know, in terms of the animation, but also in its, in its storytelling, that's just like, wow, something really amazing and really cool and something to aspire to. Um, so, yeah, um, that's that's been part of the, you know, I think one of the side benefits of working on Seismanos and starting to work on other animated projects too, uh, that are all kind of um, in various stages of development is just kind of exposing myself to more and more stuff, you know, um, uh, and, uh, and, and just kind of soaking it all up. That is amazing to hear on so many different levels. One, I love The Promised Everland. Two, um, I am actually a WT grad, uh, so I know the Dolby fe- uh, the Dolby Theater very well. Oh, awesome! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I I moved to Austin and I haven't left. So <laughs> I love Austin very much. I'll be back there for the Austin Film Festival at the end of October. Oh, awesome! Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, Austin has been great. I, I really, really love it. I've been involved with Austin Film Festival now for about ten years, and um, and you know, always have a great time there. It's it's really the Writers Festival. There's so much of you know this Screenwriters Conference that's part of the festival, and so um, yeah, we'll be doing a Seismanos panel I think with with uh, Brad Graver and Willis Bulliner 
and uh, maybe some others too, um, uh, to kind of go go through the whole process from you know up of mapping to finished project, and we'll probably show an episode or two, uh, I think, in conjunction. Oh, that is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, that that's really all I had. Like you, you really, honestly, I, I feel like I've been pulled more into uh, more into my excitement for Sismanos than I already was um, right. speaking with you and, and hearing about it. And, and, and honestly, like for me and I, and I can say, you know, both to you and your team, um, something like this is something that I've been desperate for. Yeah, especially because. Yeah. I mean, and I think a lot of people of color had to have a, sim a similar leaning on like kung fu movies and martial arts and that kind of stuff. Um, I do too. And for me, I've always seen uh, like Mexican identity and, and, and like the, the crazy things that Mexicans believe a lot of the time really lending in to, sure. uh, you know, a lot of like the more uh, mystical like martial arts themes. Um, you were going to love this show. I'm so excited. I saw that. I'm telling you, I saw that trailer and I was like, yeah. oh my God, Netflix has personally attacked me and <laughs> I will be buying any sort of merch associated with this show and I will be binge watching it the first day. <laughs> oh my God. It's, I mean, it, it's, I, I, that's, you know, that's great to hear. And I'm really, I'm, like I said, the thing that, that keeps me most excited about this whole thing is just, you know, seeing how, you know, people that I grew up with or people that I know, or, you know, the, the community, uh, the Mexican American community, the Latinx community and how they respond to the show and whether it's positive or negative or some mix in between, it's like, you know, I hope that it's at least, um, you know, uh, an indication that, you know, that, that the door is open, you know, the door is open for yeah. these kind of stories. If you don't like this one, make, make one of your own because, you know, it's, it's only going to hopefully, you know, stay open for, for longer and you know, the opportunities to tell more stories and, and better stories and, uh, personal stories and things that, you know, um, uh, things that, that, this is just a step, you know, and hopefully yeah. it's a, it's a good step. Um, but hopefully, you know, I think that there's, I'm excited by not just Seis Manos, but, but all the other Manos that are going to come afterwards. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's amazing um, to hear. Cause I very much when I, when I saw this and when I saw Cannon Busters, that's what, that's what I thought. It, it felt like a, uh, it felt like a door was kind of kicked in and like, Hey, we're here. Absolutely. We're going to keep making these stories. Uh, so thank you for that. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for doing this. And, um, you know, I hope, uh, I hope you like the show and, uh, and, uh, look me up when you, when I'm, uh, I'm there that weekend at the festival. Yeah, most definitely. Seriously, thank you. Uh, thank okay. you for, you know, talking with me and everything. Um, this has been great. This has been amazing. Um, I mean, I just want it to be <laughs> October already. But... I know. It's coming. It's going to be here sooner than you think. Yeah. The show, I think it comes out on Friday the 3rd, and then doing a panel at New York Comic Con on the 4th. And um, so... You know, hope maybe some people will have seen it by then. Um, you know, uh, but just really excited about awesome. 
finally coming out. I'll, I'll be uh, monitoring all <laughs> all the responses and all the coverage, good and bad. So. I'm sure you'll see a whole bunch of real loud tweets from me when I watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Awesome. But thank you so much. Thank you. We'll talk to you later. <laughs>